Welcome to Innovation Friday. This is where your startup journey begins. We talk about entrepreneurship and things that are interesting for early stage founders, like rock bottom and most rewarding moments. I'd like to welcome Simon Spabe from Tulum, Mexico. Simon has been a professional gymnast for over 10 years and is currently the founder and CEO of Angles 90, the first dynamic training grips, which prevents injuries and activate new muscle fibers just by changing the grips position. Welcome, Simon. Hello, Arian. Thanks for having me. Sure. I'm really happy to have you here and you have the background in gymnastics. So how did you build this passion for sport, for gymnastics into a company? Well, first of all, let's say that the transition from the from my phase of gymnastics to the company was nothing straightforward. It was nothing direct. I don't even know if these two parts are related in any sense, but I think they are. Let me get it more concretely. I used to be a gymnast for now almost 15 to 20 years, depending on how active I was. And then I had some accidents which forced me to move from the gymnastics gym to a conventional gym to lift weights and to do my rehab. And what I saw there was a big problem, which is so many gym equipments are only offering that straight, horizontal, rigid bar. Okay, so in other words, if we want to move weight, our body has to adapt to this kind of preposition, which, as you can imagine, is not very healthy for our joints, especially if you do it for decades and especially if you move big weights. So this was kind of a problem out of many problems I had in my mind that was bearing in my mind for years. And it was a late summer day in Italy where I come from. It was in the cellar of my grandmother where I randomly found, how do you call them, ski sticks, walking mm -hmm. sticks. And uh, you probably know that walking sticks as well as ski sticks have some kind of ergonomically formed handle, an ergonomically formed grip with a strap on the end. Okay. So it looks very similar to the product I am selling right now. What I was doing back then is I cut that handle off the stick, off the stick. I attached it to a pull-up bar and uh, yeah, I just tried out how that worked for me and it felt pretty nice. I maybe found something that can replicate that typical principle of gymnastic rings, of movable gymnastic rings, but now everywhere I want, because it was just that little grip that I can attach everywhere to machines, barbells, everything. So yeah, that was like the spark. That happened there in the garage and now you're running a company. There is a big journey in between. So how did you move from there? So you have the passion, you had unfortunately the injuries that led you to, to maybe not, not, not so unfortunately from a health point, but maybe luckily because you, you found something that helps a lot of people who are training. And what happened next? So did you show it to your parents, your friends? Finally, I think one of the first messages I was sending around was uh, going to one of my best friends called Leander, who only a few months ago turned to be co-founder. And we found that message <laughs> just a few months ago and we were, uh, yeah, it was very funny. Anyways, how everything started and uh, the steps I was taking, um, I was, as you can imagine, turning to product development, doing it in the lean startup mode. 
which in my concrete case was all about uh, coming up with new prototypes, going to the 3D uh, printer shop or 3D printer lab, coming up with new prototypes, going to the gym, getting feedback about what people say about the potential mm -hmm. product, going back to, the, to my 3D designer who should redesign it, going then back eventually to the lab. Weren't you scared that this printed grip were not enough from a safety point of view that something would snap or break and then people get injured no not at all because this is something that you that was foreseeable and controllable in other words i obviously managed how much weight the prototype okay. carried obviously mm -hmm. yes what else yes this cycle let's call it this feedback prototype cycle i initially thought i would do it for around five times i went to the lab telling them ah easy easy you won't see me that that often and at the end, it was around 70 times. Whoa. I had to go there and get feedback back and stuff. And to sum this up, to sum this stage up, the, the overall aim was not to come up with a perfect product. The aim was to come up with a product that is good enough to test the potential market. So the thing I was talking about right now was not the market test, not at all. This was the product test, okay? Mm -hmm. After that product test was being finished, I went over to the market test, which consisted in nothing else than trying to see if people actually and really like what I could offer and if they give me money for it. So instead of going to a big company, to a big production facility and uh, coming up with thousands of, of products that I wouldn't know if they if I could sell it. I simply went again to the 3D lab and got around 200 products, 200 not nice, but good enough products and simply tried to sell them on Amazon, on online shops, friends of mine and directly in gyms. Me going to gyms, so to say, mm -hmm. going the offline channel as well, testing that one as well. Yeah, and see if people are willing to give me money because after all, that's the ultimate and the best way to see if there is a market or not. Okay, and how, how did that work out? So you, let's assume you would be, just try to recollect some strategy that you had in this offline method. You went to the gym and then you said, look guys, I have here some grips. Or were you specifically looking for potential persons that might have the problems? No, no. In the gym, I try to sell the product to the gym owners. Whereas on Amazon and on the online shop of my friends, as you can, as you might think, I try to reach the end customers or rather mm -hmm. the people that go to the gym. In other words, again, I try to diversify my channels as much as I can and to really see, okay, where there is a gap, where there is the need. Because, for example, if I would only go to one channel, it's, it's not enough, you know, it's not enough. And at the end, what I figured out is, okay, the market was there. The results were far away from being perfect, but it was nice enough. The results were positive enough to make the next step. And this is all about uh, the Lean Startup. It has, nothing has to be perfect. The question only and always has to be, did the, is the result good enough to go the next step? to risk time and money for the next step? And the answer was yes. And the next step was then uh, looking for a big production facility that could produce me thousands of products within a very short amount of time. That's great. And in all this journey, you have to make a lot of decisions. Which was the hardest decision that you made? Well, there were a lot of hard decisions throughout the way, if not to say every <laughs> single day. But back then, during this product development uh, cycle, the biggest 
mistake I was doing, the biggest mistake for sure is I was focusing too much on the product features themselves. I was digging a little bit too deep in creating uh, almost perfect product instead of seeing the whole picture instead of seeing oh okay there is still marketing to focus on I'm not experiencing marketing at all maybe invest some hours in that as well oh okay there is some some accountancy stuff going on as well I should focus myself there as well oh what about creating a team early on because otherwise I will get in big trouble so I was a little bit too too sight and too too narrow-minded but yeah it turned out it turned out well at the end at least until that point and i'm happy what keeps you motivated so to to push forward are are you experimenting with new features of your product are you experimenting with new products maybe we are scaling in two dimensions one is product wise one is territory wise we are expanding our product line definitely not only to strengthen our brands for potential for existing clients, but also, if not to say especially, in order to increase our average order value on our online shop. By the way, we are almost purely running online because a higher average order value, as you can imagine, is allowing you to spend more on the marketing side. And yeah, we are trying to optimize that, that game consistently and continuously. On the other side, we are scaling uh, yeah, to new countries. This year it should be and will be Brazil, India and, and China. So we finally cover all the, yeah, basically the whole globe except Africa. But coming back to your question, what keeps me motivated? It's, it's an interesting question because overall, I don't need to search for some motivation hacks for some external motivational tips on how to stay there and how to stay focused because I'm intrinsically, I'm 100% intrinsically motivated. The company is mine. We're bootstrapped, by the way, so I have no external pressures going on. What is more tough are some certain tasks, some new tasks where I do need motivation from time to time. If I know there's a big rock coming to fall on my head within the next days and I'm trying to escape, but at the end I know it's not going to work out because the rock will find me, you better try to grab that rock upfront and yeah that's not always easy you mentioned branding now so the name is angles 90 is there a specific reason why you call it that way there is indeed uh, angles themselves are a pretty uh, are a pretty common word in bodybuilding it's used to express it, it's used uh, in in the context of using different training angles to activate new muscles with this angle you train more chest with this angle you train more or less your, your back and angles 90 or rather the the 90 the 90 refers to the fact that the neutral grip which is your hands being faced to each other is the most natural and thus the most effective grip a human body can apply so yeah and this is exactly what my grip is allowing people to do training everything in this neutral grip instead of grabbing that horizontally aligned bar so angles 90 it is and it's also meaningful for the persons that that do bodybuilding so for me it's it's not a bodybuilder professional it yeah, was not yeah. really at the, at the very first time meaningful but when is, there is a story behind the name then it's much easier to to remember it now i'll tell all my friends why it's called angles 90 now i know uh, yeah exactly exactly yeah nice. i think there's never mm -hmm. the perfect name but 
as long as you get the story communicated uh, quickly and well enough, it's, it's fine. So regarding books and reading, is there any book that had a big impact on you? Honestly speaking, um, I'm a very slow reader. I don't know why, but I read very slowly. I read consistently, but very slowly. And all the books that had the biggest impact were about self-help and were around 10 years ago when I started to read about self-help books. Mm -hmm. I'm now specifically referring to self-help books and less on business books because I think you should, first of all, try to figure out your own values and why you do things before, before jumping on the entrepreneurship journey. In other words, I think it's a bad idea, but still I see many people doing it, me included, trying to build a house on, on unstable pillars. Probably the book with the biggest impact was The Four Agreements from Miguel Ruiz. It's, yeah, as the title is saying, it's about four agreements that help you not directly, but in a very implicit way to stay more satisfied in life. And it's not a spectacular book at all, not even a very nice to read book, but it was the one with the longest lasting effect. And as, as you mentioned also previously, you don't need any tricks if, if you have an intrinsic uh, motivation and you have the passion about it, then you don't need any tricks to stay motivated. You can push forward and go further. And as a company owner, as an entrepreneur, you have different times where things do not go so well. You estimate that you only have to do five prototypes and then you actually go there 70 times, as you mentioned, and for that you need the perseverance. And I also think that your background as a professional gymnast where you probably sometimes reach plateaus and you know i have to, to to stay there to go to the trainings to go to the gym and train to to move forward i think this also also helps well to get this right i never competed in a professional way i did it for almost two decades and i went to turn events but i never became professional but yeah coming back to the overall question i don't need any extrinsic motivation does not mean at all that it's easy to stay focused all the time not at all because there are always problems and i think the way to go is not trying to find that way that that is decreasing your problems, but it's finding the way that makes you be able to handle all the problems that come along the way. The motivation part, it never is easy. Even if you have a job that you love, there are always things that you have to do, which are not nice, but you're forced to do them because this is, I think, I guess this is life. And there are like a whole range of other issues of other problems that come up along the way. Right now, it's a very funny problem to be involved in, which is, okay, how to manage my work-life balance in a place like Tulum, where you have very nice beaches and many parties going on. COVID seems to be not really here. So yeah, it's right now it's finding that day-to-day -day balance between how much should I invest in work, how much should I go out, how much should I relax. So yeah, it's it's... It's a continuous battle. It's a continuous battle with your own mind. But as long as it does not totally bring you out of the concept, it's, it's okay. Thank you. Unfortunately, time is pressing. If there is anything that you would like to add or share with uh, me and the listeners, please do. Presuming that your listeners are interested in entrepreneurial topics and something I did not talk about right now is hiring. 
is the topping of hiring people. It's probably the biggest pain I have been experiencing during the past mm -hmm. in the past years. So please be aware of who you hire and who you fire. And remember that the, the smaller your team is, the more important is, yeah, who the team consists of. Because yeah, every member can have a very huge impact. So even if some decision processes take over half a year or a year, like it was in my case, uh, take the time, it will pay off. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here today and sharing your wisdom and experience with us. And I wish you good luck and uh, enjoy the time in Mexico. Well, let's say more experience than wisdom, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, dear listeners, thank you for being with us today. All the mentioned uh, resources and the way to contact Simon will be referenced in the podcast notes. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Innovation Friday podcast, the place where your startup journey begins. Please let me know how to improve the show. See you next time.